Hello, everybody, and welcome to another podcast of Mortgage Fundamentals, where we go over all things mortgage-related and real estate-related and help you have a better understanding of what to do when you're purchasing a home. And today, my special host is going to be Paula Estelona. How are you doing, Paula? Hi, Daniel. I'm doing fine. Thank you. Thank you so much for the invitation. Oh, thank you for coming. Um, Please go ahead and introduce yourself to the Well, my name is Paola Salona. I'm a realtor here in Las Vegas, Nevada, and I work currently with ERA Brokers Consolidated. All right. Awesome. So I invited Paula today because I've worked with Paula before, and she is a great agent, really, really great with her customers, and just really helpful when it comes to helping us with both purchasing the home and even with the loan process. So thank you. Of course, of course. <laughs> All right. So today, guys, the topic is going to be mortgage loan fundamentals. So today's topic is really going to be about the mortgage basics. We're going to break it down and educate you on how a mortgage works, the definition of a mortgage, what the difference is between a fixed and arm rate mortgage, and how a credit score actually applies or affects your mortgage rates. So, Paula, so today we're going to start off with the definition of a mortgage. Uh, and I'm not sure, but I know you have one. Yes. Um, so a mortgage essentially is a loan that is backed by a house. So you're getting a mortgage loan from a bank. They're saying, hey, I'm going to purchase this home and that's going to be their recourse. So a mortgage loan comes with a few parts of a payment, right? You have your principal and interest. You have your taxes, which is your property taxes that you have to pay annually. You have to pay your homeowner's insurance. Mm-hmm. And... Sometimes, depending if you put less than 20% down, you're going to have mortgage insurance premiums or PMI, depending on the kind of loan you're going to have. Exactly. And the final thing you might actually have is an HOA payment. Yeah. So on top of everything. On top of everything, <laughs> depending on what part of the world you live in, exactly. HOAs can really be a big thing. Um, but HOAs do become a part of your payments. So they are also something we have to qualify when we're doing those loans. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing we're going to talk about here is what is an MLO? So a mortgage loan officer or a loan officer, someone like myself, right? Um, so loan officer is essentially your liaison or your guide when it comes to purchasing a home. Um, it's like real estate agent guiding you through the home buying process. Yes. You guys also are exactly the same thing, but on the financial side. Absolutely. So what we're doing is, uh, like Paula said, a real estate agent is someone who's going to show you house to house. Or show you what houses you want, show you what they have, um, guide you on why you should or how you should uh, move forward with the process, yes. right? Whereas an MLO, I'm over here to give you the numbers, tell you what you can afford, what your payments could be, uh, give you different options, and just educate you on how we're going to move through the process and make sure that you feel comfortable with that payment at the end of the day. And another great thing when you have a good communication with the lender is mm-hmm. I have situation where my clients want to see what is the payment for a certain home that they mm-hmm. fall in love. Mm-hmm. So before even putting an offer, I'm going to call you and see, hey, we like this property. I give you the address, uh, property tax, mm-hmm. HOA, and you kind of calculate all these expenses, right? Or mm-hmm. like um, fees and you just say, okay, this one basically is going to be this much. Mm-hmm. So the client is going to move forward, but with a informative decision. Exactly. It's, it's there to educate you guys and making sure that you guys understand what you guys are getting yourself into. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're going to go out and rent a house, they normally tell you, hey, this is going to be your payment. I'm doing the exact same thing, but I'm going to do it at a much deeper level because I have to do it for each individual property. And we just got to make sure that you understand what you're getting into, like I said before, and have just feel comfortable. You know what I mean? Yes. And I think uh, making, uh, you know, informed decision is, is best because mm-hmm. there is no surprises. You mm-hmm. know where you get into it, you know. So I think mm-hmm. it's very important to have a great communication mm-hmm. between the agent and the loan officer. Yeah, absolutely. So let me see. So with MLOs, there are different kinds of LOs though, right? So we have mortgage loan officers that work with big banks, right? So when you're working with a big bank like that, normally those LOs or mortgage loan officers are licensed through the bank and do business in any state with the bank, um, but they can only use their specific bank products, right? Um, With an LO, you have another type, which is one that works for a mortgage lender or mortgage bank. Usually those people work with in-house lenders and a lot of in-house products, but some of them do a little bit of a hybrid where they also have other options um, in order to put you in probably a more competitive rate program or maybe they just have more options in terms of different loan programs to help people get into it regardless of what your background might be whether you're a business owner w-2 employee 
1099. Each bank has pros and cons, and it really depends on the kind of buyer. Mm-hmm. And the situation, I guess. Yeah, the situation definitely makes sense. I'll give you for I'll give you an example. I had a client this year, um, earlier this year that I helped, um, and he came to us because no other lender could really help him. Luckily, we have a lot of connections with different banks that we can work with. Um, I think he had not a yeah, I think he had a bankruptcy about a year ago. Okay. And so we were able to help him get into a loan because a lot of loans don't allow you to get into a house unless you had that bankruptcy for quite some time. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of like an option or this is kind of like an example as to why um, having a lot more options in terms of programs is really going to be helpful for the buyer, the kind of buyer, like you said. Um, and then the last kind is just a mortgage broker. So mortgage broker, it doesn't work for necessarily any specific lender. They ha- work for a brokerage that allows them to have access to a lot of different uh, independent lenders or big lenders. That way they can shop rates for you, shop different programs. Each of them might even have different guidelines that might be either more strict than other ones. And that's the mortgage loan officer's job is to understand each individual um, company and making sure that they put you into the right program into the right program and with the right company Hmm. all right so now that we've gone over all three like the big bank ones in my opinion are going to be an option for some people and not necessarily going to be the option for everybody Mm -hmm. um i think big banks sometimes have more strict guidelines when it comes to purchasing a home so you might want to avoid those if maybe your credit or you have a little bit more spotty of a of a background okay all right so they're a little bit more strict more overlay, so the credit score requirements might be a little bit higher. Their reserve requirements might be a little higher. Um, and maybe... So it would be great for an investor, kind of? Um, I don't think a big bank would be good for an investor. Investors, I think, want something a lot more easy and streamlined. Okay. Right? Big banks tend to not be so easy and streamlined at least from my experience or from my knowledge i'm not sure have you worked with any big banks lately no no so the big banks uh they definitely have a bit more of something we call overlay so i'll give you for example fha minimum credit score is 540 right companies can set up their own overlays as long as you meet the minimum requirement so i'll give you an example in this case so if the minimum credit score According to the FHA uh, 4000.1, says a minimum credit score 540, you can say, you know what, we don't want to do 540. We prefer to have people with a credit score of 620 or higher, right? So as long as the overlay is more restrictive than the actual guideline, banks are allowed to do that. However, they cannot go and say, you know what, I'd rather take people with 500 credit score. You can't do that. Because it's under the guidelines. Because it's under the guidelines. And at that point, FHA won't allow it yeah exactly mm-hmm. so okay. you're not meeting the minimum requirements necessary for an fha loan so would you say like most of the companies out there have <laughs> Better one. so you will say like most of the company out there will have overlays um most banks will definitely have overlays and they're going to be a little bit more picky about which lenders or buyers they have because they're going to want grade a paper in a sense you know what i mean because mm-hmm. most banks in a sense you have they might sell it off or they might keep it alone in house and they want to make sure that they're going to make their money start on that loan. Okay. And the next one we're going to talk about is like mortgage brokers versus mortgage lenders. So I think these two are probably going to be your better options when purchasing a home if you're worried about like restrictions and guidelines. Mm-hmm. Um, mortgage brokers will have a lot more options when it comes to a lot of different companies, like I said. And that's a great quality to have when you have options. The issue that arises with that is most of the time that means processing and underwriting is going to be based on that company doing that so you don't have con- too much control over the process right so you are saying okay um i see your file i think you're going to be good with either company a or b um, but after looking a little bit further i feel like b is going to be the better one you're going to send their loan application and all of their documents over to that company and then they have to review it Okay, and hope that they're going to move fast. Hope that they're going to move fast and hope that you made the right decision in sending them there because of whatever their circumstances could be financially. Okay, instead of you guys that most loan officer has also the underwriter Mm -hmm. in-house. Yeah, 
So that's where the mortgage lender and mortgage banks come in. Um, so the pros to working with a mortgage lender or mortgage bank is they do have in-house products and sometimes they do have partners, um, but they still keep the processing and underwriting in-house because those partners give us their restrictions and their guidelines and we just make sure we follow those um, restrictions to make sure that when we give them that loan, everything's good, you know? Um, so in my opinion, I think this one's pretty good. You know what I mean? Because you, when you're in the loan process and you tell me when you're in the loan process, it's, it's a lot better for you, especially as a real estate agent yeah. to be able to call your lender. Right. And be like, okay, what's going on? Yeah. Give me an update. Yeah. 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 And your response is going to be either quicker in terms of getting that. Um, or I'm going to have more power in terms of being able to move things a little bit faster. I'm going to have a little bit more power in terms of trying to fight certain okay you know. so communication is really key here. yeah communication um how fast things move mm -hmm. um and not feeling like i have to tell you every time let me call this person it might take a day or two or let me call this person and see if it's okay to do it this way exactly. you know um, we have a, the well the mortgage bankers or mortgage lenders tend to have a lot more control in the process Right. So you just need to wait until they just give you an answer because that is, mm -hmm. it's like a, there is no middleman. It's just talking straight to them. Yep. Exactly. Yep. The only middleman I have is my processor, which like I love my processor. Like I'm going to talk about my processors a lot. Okay. <laughs> as long as <laughs> I, it's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love my processors. They are some of the best people I've ever worked with and they make things so smooth. All right. So what does an MLO do? Do you know what an MLO does? I know what they have to do <laughs> what do they have to do well they have to uh make sure finances is, um looks good mm -hmm. um they have to collect all the documents necessary to send it to underwriter mm -hmm. so they well usually right mm -hmm. um once that we are under contract you guys are verifying everything so before we close we make sure everything's supposed to be the way it should be mm -hmm. uh, in order for her for us to have a success yeah absolutely so <laughs> The key thing that an MLO does is definitely help you guys through the whole process in terms of taking your loan application. So the first step is to have taking that loan application, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we're going to take a loan application. We're going to get all your information from you. We're going to ask a lot of personal questions. So be prepared for stuff like that. Um, and then we're going to review it. And then not only are we going to just do the whole loan process, we're going to educate you on your options, right? Each individual person is going to be a little bit different. Um, so, what one question I have is um what what are the uh, what are the programs um and they want to know you know FHA um mm -hmm. conventional because I believe not because you are first time home buyer mm -hmm. they're all going to go into an FHA loan mm -hmm. there is options yeah and that's why it's so great to meet a loan officer so mm -hmm. it's gonna go over all the options what's the best for you yeah so she's she's correct in this case everybody has this assumption yeah. that FHA is only for first-time homebuyers, or if you're a first-time homebuyer, you're going to go straight to FHA. Um, and the conversation usually goes, hey, how are you guys doing? Yada, yada, yada. Um, do you guys know what you guys want to do today? And they're like, yeah, we want to get into the first-time homebuyer program. Well, I'm like, okay, that doesn't, from my point of view, I'm like, okay, that doesn't really make sense because there are so many programs for first-time homebuyers, um, whether that's conventional, FHA, VA, or USDA loans. You can be a first-time homebuyer and get into any program. Right. So my my job really is to educate you and move you away or past just assuming that one thing. FHA stands for Federal Housing Administration. It doesn't stand for first time homebuyer yeah. administration. <laughs> OK, um, so it's very important for you to have somebody who's going to sit there and really kind of go through the nitty gritty and break it down for you, because. I remember when I was a first-time homebuyer, I have no idea. I don't even remember my first loan. To be honest with you, I don't even remember anything they told me. You know what I mean? I don't think they really went through it. They just said, okay, here's what we're going to do. This is this, this is that, this is that. Just get me this and move on. And, and that's so sad because I actually mm -hmm. have a client sitting in front of me mm -hmm. with a pre-approval letter. Mm -hmm. And they don't understand how much money they need to come up with. They don't, they don't know mm -hmm. about closing costs. Like, mm -hmm. And I think that's... Um, it's, it's sad because information mm -hmm. is key, mm -hmm. educating the client is key, mm -hmm. and you know going to an going to a transaction and going with your open eyes mm -hmm. is great because it's, it's the worst saying, "Hey, now you have to pay for this." What? 
why am I to? And, and then that's mm -hmm. when the transaction doesn't go that smooth. Yep. And there's those are key things right there, right? The the fact that you're just throwing them into the lion's den in a sense, and then there's surprises. Yeah. How does the how is the buyer supposed to feel that way? How exactly. are they supposed to feel at that moment? You know what I mean? They feel lost, confused. Yeah, and, and then upset. they mind going to lose a little bit of credibility also, you know, mm -hmm. the, of trust. And and that's something that is really important. You know, you're building mm -hmm. relationship with the clients. And mm -hmm. I believe, you know, give them all the information, give them all the options. Hey, you need to come out with this much money. You need to be prepared, you know, because yes, we as a real estate agent, my job is to negotiate on their behalf mm -hmm. and ensure the best deal possible. But I always tell them, in the worst case scenario that we cannot, you know, uh, you, you fall in love with the house that the seller is not willing to get to negotiate anything of. There is 20, uh, 20 offers on that home. Mm -hmm. There is probably not going to be a room for negotiation, mm -hmm. probably. Mm -hmm. So you need to be prepared that if we don't get, you know, what the, we need. the closing uh, costs or whatever we need to close, you need to have the money on your bank. Yeah. Just in, yeah. you know, the worst case scenario. Or have a backup. Exactly. Family, friends, yes. et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> that also helps a lot. <laughs> yeah. So just to kind of touch on that, yeah, it's it's very important to know what you're getting yourself into. Make sure that you are talking to your LO. You need to know what your costs are. You know what you're, you know you're going to need out of pocket. That way you don't spend it. Um, that way you're able to start saving for it. You prepare. You're prepared. Or if you really, 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 really love a house, like it's really, really, really gr the dream house for you, you are reaching out to somebody you know you're like okay maybe my parents give me the money or maybe my aunt will be able to, to um gift me the money um that way i can actually get into this house you know it's a and, that, and that's plan. a great option a lot of mm -hmm. people don't know that they can do that mm -hmm. it's a contingency plan always have a contingency contingency plan all right so what else do we do um we also provide yeah. <laughs> excuse me guys uh we also provide you with a pre-approval letter so the pre-approval letter is really really important in these cases because you cannot put in an offer without a pre-approval letter, especially these days, right? Mm -hmm. So this pre-approval letter is going to give you the loan amount that you qualify for, the purchase price that you qualify for, um, and the program that you qualify for, and how many years that is. Um, and that way, when you do go put in offers, you are submitting that over to the selling agent. And depending on how it looks... They may feel comfortable and just accept the offer, or sometimes they actually call. Yeah, as a listing agent, you know, the right thing to do is call the loan officer and see how strong that offer is. Yep. Yep. You want to make sure that, you know, you might, selling agents nowadays, especially since 2020, have been a little bit more adamant about making sure that they verify stuff. And it's, it's a good thing to do because you want to make sure that your that deal isn't going to. Yeah. And especially if you have, like, right now in the seller's market, um, you want to make sure if you have five offers, mm -hmm. you want to pick the best exactly. for your clients. The best your one? client will choose the best, the one that is half, um, this is stronger. Exactly, stronger. So it's security and the probably highest offer, right? You have mm -hmm. to balance out both. You can't just take the highest one and it's got a 10% chance. Exactly. No, <laughs> it's not necessarily because it's the highest, it's the best. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Always go with the best one or your one. Um, and then... We're also your coach, right? So we're coaching you on what we need. That way we can get everything done right. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to need the letters for this. I'm going to need explanations for that. Uh, talking about coach, um, you also need to be open to, to be, how do you say, coachable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, because sometimes you tell to a client, um, and we have an experience, don't do that. You know, don't change from W2 to 1099. And that's exactly what that person did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I and now, you're you know, the about. whole year that we were waiting, you know, it, it was lost. Yeah. And then, they, of course, there is always to, somebody to blame. Oh, you made me. The, no, you also need to be coachable. You also mm -hmm. need to um, understand the process and, you know, understand what your long officer wants, what you have to do, and do it and yeah. do it right. Yep. You know? But if you don't know or you forgot, you can always just call back and ask. Yeah. Before you do anything, don't change anything, don't do anything. Ask and then confirm again. Yeah. If you have to ask multiple times, I'd rather you ask me 20 times just to be sure that we're going to get into 
that house and that we're not going to mess anything anything up in the process. Yeah, and I always tell my clients from now on your loan officer is going to be your best friend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you will consult everything with him, with her, you know, in this case and um you always call him for everything. <laughs> yeah. See, so I'm going to be that person that's going to be there for you in the good times. I'm going to be that person that tells you, you know, I'm just going to keep it real with you in a sense. So sometimes you're not going to be the happiest with me, but it's for a good cause. And it's to make sure that we get everything smooth and, you know, moving forward. Can I add a little bit? Mm -hmm. Another scenario is when um, you have some debt in your credit. Mm -hmm. Some debt. Debt. Some debt. debt. Another scenario is when you have some debt and you have to pay. It. Mm -hmm. uh, and the person is always behind. Mm -hmm. Also, that's a problem because if you don't make your payments on time, mm -hmm. you it, it passed one year and people think, oh, because it passed already one year, I'm ready to go. Yeah. But if you didn't make your payments on time, what happened? Oh, well, with credit, which we'll get into in the future, credit is really, really important, especially payments. Mm -hmm. um, so make sure you make your payments on time. And payments are really the, your payment history is the highest weighted piece of your credit score. So make sure that you pay attention to those things and I don't know, just be responsible and do everything you can to make sure you make those payments on time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we get to move. So when is it time to, so when is it time to talk to an MLO? So the key time to talk to an MLO is not necessarily when you think you're going to buy a house tomorrow. It doesn't have to be. It can be. If one day you wake up and you want to purchase a home, that's perfectly fine. But when do you think is a really good time for you to start talking to your MLO? I think a very good time is when you feel like you need to, you want to make a move. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily when you feel that like you are ready, mm -hmm. because when you feel that you are ready, you probably are three, six months behind mm -hmm. to actually start the process. Mm -hmm. So I think having um, uh, this conversation with the loan officer and ask questions and know where you are on the situation and know where you, you are, right? Mm -hmm. And know where you add on the, um, on the home buying process. That's mm -hmm. key. Yep. So in my opinion, the best time to talk to a mortgage loan officer, in a sense, is as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. Right? You're going to be one, either you're ready to purchase a home right now and you may not know it. Or you're going to be purchasing a home, like you said, in three months, six months, a year, maybe even two years, depending on where exactly, you're at. Yeah. And what we need to do in order to get you there. Um, so purchase. Uh, it's, it's really important just to talk to an MLO, in my opinion. Um, you, from my personal experience, I didn't know I was ready to purchase a home the first time we bought a home, right? Mm -hmm. I thought I was just going to go out and rent another apartment. And then I went to go talk to a mortgage loan officer and I, and found out we can actually purchase a home that same time, right? It took us a couple months to get into the home. You know what I mean? You have to go through the whole process of uh, finding the right home and doing everything you need to do. But you just never really know. Yeah. Right? And with the right information, then you do what you have to do in order for you to, you know, go inside the house. Exactly. Buy the house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. And then, you know, everything in terms of your budget um, and just just start the process. Guys. Yeah. Because also, like, once that you have the pre-approval letter where I guide my clients is like, you need to count on three months. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, you know, when you find your house, when mm -hmm. we submit offers, mm -hmm. sometimes the first offer is not accepted and we mm -hmm. start looking again right until we meet the home we go under contract and we close mm -hmm. pretty much three to four months yeah so the right time not or the wrong time to ask your for finding mlo is if you need to move out by tomorrow exactly yeah <laughs> don't wait at the least end two weeks because you're just not gonna make it yeah so yeah. if you have a lease coming up let's just say you even if you just started your lease this year i would say do it yes. now like just go through the whole thing you're already running your credit through the leasing company you might as well just run your credit with a mortgage loan officer at the same time and get everything ready, you know? I got um, clients that they just got this as a security and they say, hey, I want to know what I need in order for me to buy a home. Probably not in six months, but in two years from now, mm -hmm. what I need to do. Mm -hmm. I have clients, you know, contact me and say, hey, so let's, you know, talk to a lender mm -hmm. and let's see all the requirements. So you are going to work towards that goal mm -hmm. and once that the two years you know you have the two years of taxes you know whatever you require yeah um you are ready to buy yeah you want to be prepared you just want to start a, you want to get ahead of it you don't want to people you don't want to procrastinate this process mm -hmm. you know what i mean some people can some people are just grade a paper and they're just gonna be like okay i found a house yada 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 we're good but you know some people have goals as to what kind of 
property they want to get into at first. Um, some people may need to start learning how to budget a little bit. That way they can start saving up some money. Um, maybe we need to establish a little bit more credit. So that way we can figure out whether or not you need a little bit more credit history. You know, there's, there's a lot of different things that go into really preparing yourself. And how are you supposed to know what you're supposed to be doing if you don't, if you're just walking, going in blindly, you know? So that's the main purpose. Um, so why is choosing the right MLO important? Um, let me see. What is your, what is your normal idea of a really good MLO or how you would choose one? Well, that's, that's a big one. Uh, <laughs> that's why I, I actually, you know, partner with uh, loan officers like you. Mm -hmm. um, communication is key. Mm -hmm. For me, um, if a person is not giving me updates, mm -hmm. you know, if the loan officer is not answering the phone, mm -hmm. if the loan officer is just taking three days to contact my client because I follow up with my clients and mm -hmm. I ask, how was the conversation with the loan officer? Mm -hmm. Do you like it? Mm -hmm. they, they answer the, your questions. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing I have after they talk to the lender because mm -hmm. I want to make sure they are satisfied with their service because, mm -hmm. you know, as a real estate agent, when we recommend vendors, when we recommend professionals, it's our name, it's our reputation that we also, mm -hmm. is on, is in the, on the line. Mm -hmm. So if we are recommending somebody that they are not doing their job, but they don't doing like these great customer services, it's our fault. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's on us. So I just make sure, uh, me personally, to first meet with the lender, you know, ask questions. Uh, okay, what do you do for the clients? How do you do it? What is your follow-up plan? I do ask all of these questions because to me it's very important um, which lender I'm going to recommend, you know, by law, we have to recommend three. Mm -hmm. And of course I put those three, the best, I think, mm -hmm. um, they, especially that they are great in communication and customer yeah. service so, and knowledge too. Yeah. Knowledge, <laughs> knowledge is key. Yes. So in a sense, Paula's already vetted me. So you're good to yes. go guys. <laughs> <laughs> I look at Oh uh, <laughs> man. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you want to make sure communication is one of the biggest things that people complain about when it comes to their mortgage loan officer. It's they don't answer their phone calls for like a day or hours. They don't work on weekends. They don't mm -hmm. work on holidays. They don't do this. They don't do that. Oh, they didn't even explain the whole, you know, what the option were. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yep. They don't know what they're really getting into. Sometimes when I'm, when people are shopping their lender afterwards, they, they're, they're talking to me and they're, I'm asking them questions and they're like, what's that? And I'm like, what, what did you do? <laughs> yeah. Did you just fill out an application, sent them an email, and that was it? Because it it doesn't feel like it was. I used to, um, you know, have a situation where I sent uh, some of my clients to this particular lender, and they said, "Just hey, just fill out an application, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, just fill up an application right here." Mm -hmm. But they didn't actually talk to the lender. Okay, what's your situation? What do you want to know? Mm -hmm. Because we also need to put ourselves in their position. This mm -hmm. is people, you know, that they are first-time home buyers. They don't know the process. Mm -hmm. They don't know what is normal. They don't know what is abnormal, you know? They, mm -hmm. they don't know. So we have to, even though we do this every single day, for us, it's like, oh, you know, that's yeah. how I, I think yeah. we sound to them. Like, yeah. they don't understand. We have to pause and say, hey, what, what are your questions? Yeah. What do you want to know? Mm -hmm. You know, and be, um, how, is it, how you say, be empathetic? Be empathetic. Yeah. yeah. And be empathetic to them and to their situation. Yeah. Yeah. You want to, I, I, I'm always going to go back to my first time. And I think that being empathetic, understanding that this is their first time. I do the lending every day. I will not, I will say this, guys. I am aware that sometimes I start speaking mortgage jargon <laughs> and I catch myself. So I need to reset myself to understand that they are the first time home buyer. Yeah. But again, at the end of every conversation, I, I go through a lot of information and you may not get everything the first time around that we have a conversation. Try to take in as much as you can. Feel free to give me a call afterwards. I always tell you guys, my phone is open, text, call, whatever you guys need. I'm here to make sure that you guys have a better understanding of everything. And you are really fast answering your phone. Like I yeah. call you and you right away. Yeah. Or you text me, hey, I call you later. Like, yeah. And that's great. Yeah, I am. Well, being a millennial, we are really great on text messages. <laughs> You're a good millennial. <laughs> um, and I'm really quick to answer my phone calls, even if I'm doing something else, unless it's something really, really important. I, I, I make it a habit to pick up my phone or respond. You know what I mean? People, I'm empathetic towards understanding when people don't respond to you right away. You know what I mean? And I 
prefer when people give me an answer as soon as possible. Again, that's a millennial thing. I just have (laughs) the patience. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but I want to make sure that I'm answering everything I can as quickly as possible. And I I realize that when actually they have some time conversation with the lender and then Mm -hmm. suddenly they don't answer the phone, they don't. It's because they they were afraid, you mm-hmm. know. And sometimes it's like getting in touch again, and hey, don't worry, you know. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is a team, like you say mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier. This yeah. is a team. Yep, yep. So one of the things I was talking to uh, Paolo about before is when you're purchasing a home, you don't want to do this alone because what kind of professional goes into it? And I'm I'm talking like sports analogies, kind of professionals. When you're you're doing things like that, you always set yourself up with like, even if you're in a business setting and you're like a CEO and stuff like that, you want the best team possible that's going to help you reach your end goal. So in a sense, you're picking out your real estate agent that you feel is going to be best for you because not every agent's best for everybody. Let's mm-hmm. just, just put it out there. Not every lender's best for everybody either, in a sense. So you are picking the best team for you that you know you can trust or have trust in because it's very hard to trust people at first, and I understand that, and that you feel are, are going to get you to being able to purchase that house that you want you know but at the same time because we're part of your team you have to understand that we're here to educate you and some days will be better days where we tell you the things you want to hear because that's what that's correct and then there are going to be some days where you we tell you things that you need to work on and some of those days may not be the best days but at least we're there to help you you know what i mean yeah get to that end result you know so a good team and to overcome fears yep to overcome fears you just got to trust us don't worry about all the stuff i'm telling you Mm -hmm. understand what you need to know everything else that's my job that's paula's job we're here that's why we're the ones helping you with this right let me see what else why when well the other thing well the other reason you want to know or you want to get a good mlo or how to pick one is knowledge, right? We talked, you touched on that a little bit. Yes. So how educated or how knowledgeable are they with not only the programs, but situations? Yeah. Right? Yeah, everybody could read a guideline, right? But has everyone been through a lot of scenarios to overcome those things, right? I think it's being able to overcome the underwriter's findings. So findings, just to give you guys a quick find, uh, mortgage jargon educated thing here is uh findings are things that the underwriter is asking for either it's clarification bank statements um why did this person work less hours here yada yada there's there's a ton of different kinds of findings but it's um it's making sure that we understand how to respond or react navigate it yes (laughs) perfect and being able to overcome those and just because Again. I think that's, you know, at the end of the day, it's just navigating situations. And mm-hmm. there is not enough situation to be aware of everything. Mm-hmm. You always, you know, every transaction, I think by now we understand that every transaction is just different. But you need the knowledge is going to give you, you know, the expertise to just navigate those situations and make it possible for the client to reach their goal that is become a homeowner. Yep, yep, yep. And not everybody has that experience. And I will tell you this, my first year was very difficult because I didn't have those navigation experiences, but <laughs> we, we always start. You know, everybody starts somewhere. The but, first month, the first year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But now I've seen some stuff and sometimes it's a little harder than other days, but yeah. we, we, we figure ways out, you know? Um, and the other one is understanding the market we're in, right? If your MLO doesn't keep up with the current geoeconomical situations or anything that's going on in finance or anything that's going on, especially in the housing market, how are they supposed to help you or advise you on what route to take when it is, when it comes to purchasing a home, you know? And I want to add something here right now. It's not just about the client. It's also for or for the agents, mm-hmm. for us to also partner with a loan officer that is keeping up with the market, that is explaining us what's happening with the interest rate, mm-hmm. what the Fed say, to explain us uh, mm-hmm. to our language, how to, to navigate also the market. Mm-hmm. And you're doing a great job. I always get your emails and you explain everything. Hey, guys, this is what happened. Mm-hmm. FHA guidelines change. I think the, you, you were mentioning yeah. something last time about I think- it. FHA changed something recently. I told ADUs was the FHA one that recently changed. Mm-hmm. Conventional recently changed its down payment program on multiple family homes. 
the Fed meeting was two weeks ago, I think, when this was being recorded, guys. Um, and it's, I not only educate the buyers and stuff like that, for me, educating your real estate agents is probably one of the key things I want to do is because I want them to have an understanding to be able to talk to you guys about what's going on. And I don't think you guys keep up with the finance part as much as we do. So it's always good to have somebody that's just going to give you like the, the shorthanded version with enough explanation where you guys are going to understand it because there's again a lot of and even though it's things. not our job because we are not on the financial side we also need to understand we need to educate yourself you know yeah. because yes at the end of the day we always going to refer you to the professional in this case the loan officer but as an agent we must educate yourself to mm -hmm. understand what's going on because otherwise how we can best serve our clients mm -hmm. if we are not keeping up with all what is changing mm -hmm. on the market mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and if you've heard about something like if i'm giving you an email and you go to, if this person went to one, let's just say to a different lender over there, and they said, we can't do that. And then you're like, oh, I remember Daniel saying something like this. Maybe they can, maybe they didn't know. And then you can definitely go and it reference happens. that. Yes. Yep. So it's really good for your agents to be somewhat educated on the process, but don't forget, they're not mortgage loan officers. They don't do this specific part for a living. So they only know as much as they know, and they're there to help you as much as they can. But at the end of the day, if you have a mortgage loan question, and that's why the first conversation that when you asked, uh, asked me, uh, uh, when are you going to recommend a uh, loan officer? When do you think is the straight thing at the beginning? Why? Because when I have clients meeting with me at the, at the beginning, they didn't talk with a loan officer. All the questions are financial. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Which one is the program? And yes, I can tell you, you know, the basic, but I cannot just elaborate much on the topic because I'm not a professional and sometimes they get a little discouraged and yeah. say, you know what? And that's why to have a great long officer, I, I can call Daniel Sunday morning mm -hmm. and we put him on a speaker and then he can answer all those questions. So yep. having a, an accessible long officer is always a game changing. Yep. And it's, so one of the key things is it's definitely making sure that Again, if you're asking your real estate agent all these questions, but not honestly, they're just going to give you a general consensus or a general understanding of everything because that's all they can really do. I'm going to do the same thing if you were to ask me these questions before a loan application because everything is going to be assumptions and I'm not going to know how to advise you until I actually have a full understanding. The whole picture, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can advise everybody the same information if I know nothing about you because everybody's going to get the same information. It's not until we know your circumstance that we'll be able to properly advise you and educate you on what you can and can't do, right? That's right. So then the last question here that I have for us is, how do you find an, ML, an LO? And I know you already touched on one. One of them Instagram. is you guys. Instagram. <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> yeah, find my TikTok and Instagram. I'll put the links below. Yeah. Um, but I think the first one we'll talk about is through your agent, right? We were talking, yes. we already touched on that. Yes, yes. Uh, and um, I just mentioned this because that's your right to know. Um, by law, we have as an agent to recommend three professionals on everything, vendors. Mm -hmm. So um, I first meet with, you know, certain like different agent um, as, you know, we did before, you remember a long yep. time ago. Um, and those are the agents I recommend. I have all the information and say, hey, call Daniel. Um, he's great. He's going to answer your question. And, you know, it's like you say, not all the loan officers are going to be good for everybody. Mm -hmm. So probably, you know, okay, yes, I like it, but I just want to make sure the interest rate he's giving me is the best or the requirement are the same. Sometimes people want to make sure he's really saying, you know, yeah. the requirements are the one that he already mentioned. Yeah. So this type of scenario is when clients come to us, we give them information. That's the best way mm -hmm. to find a loan officer because we know right uh that he's gonna answer the, the phone and it's all reputation mm -hmm. you know i'm not gonna give you somebody that i don't i know that he's not gonna do the job because then you know i'm the bad person here yeah exactly um <laughs> uh, always if you're gonna shop for ones make sure that you're doing you're verifying a few things first if your rates your big thing verify rate but it's not always about the rate rates yeah. are going to be very very similar for the most part for most lenders because we all get the money from the same place i mean there are going to be some differences depending on the banks um, and the other one is like we talked about before, it's going to be, do you need somebody who's going to communicate with you? If that's really big for you and you're going to need someone to walk you through the process, find yourself an MLO that's going to be communicating with you on a regular basis. Don't just 
in my opinion, don't always just base it on one thing. You, or, or you, you wanna... just like less fees. That's not yeah. a cheap one. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It just, just find out who you have a good connection with and consider that as well because this process is going to be, it's going to be something that you do for a while and you want to make sure that you always feel comfortable with who yes. you're working with. Again, this is your team. You wouldn't put someone on your team that's going to throw you off or you feel like you have to constantly check on. You know what I mean? You want the best team that you can trust and you feel are going to do the best job for you. Exactly. So I think that is key then when you're shopping for them. Now, another way to find them is definitely like what she said, and that's through TikTok, Instagram, or any social media platform, right? I know that nowadays, everybody, just about everybody's on Instagram, TikTok. Yeah. Facebook is kind of... I think Google there. is also a great sort of, you know, information. Google. Google. You're going to be... Well, some of the people on top, well, when it comes to Google, they're paying for those. Um, well, yeah. This <laughs> so just because you see them on top doesn't necessarily mean too much other than the fact that, you know, they pay for an ad. Um, but in my opinion, like, just find somebody that if you if you can go through social media, look up a few different ones. Mm -hmm. See who you think might fit your, again, your situation. Or you can call them. You know, when you call the ones you've seen online, reach out to them and then just interview them in yeah, a sense. have a conversation. Exactly. It's mm -hmm. like you are interviewing for a job. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and then the final way that you can get them through, you can find them is just like you said, Googling, but I'm talking about like Googling companies and then finding the agents, the agents in those areas or Yelp, I guess. Yeah. Yelp yeah. is also a, a big one on Google, Instagram, social media mm -hmm. in general. Yeah. And so. the agent that you yeah. feel like more connected. Um, most likely agents are going to work with loan officers that they already verify. Yeah. Or the other one is a uh, reference from family or friends. Yeah. Sometimes somebody knows somebody. A lot of people always know somebody yeah. <laughs> who does this. So, you know, you, you can ask them and see if they've had a good experience with that Exactly. Person. Yeah. Experience is key. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. who knows? Maybe they worked with them mm -hmm. before and they'll be able to tell you, oh, yeah, this person was great. Yada, yada, yada. Or they can be like, mm, <laughs> maybe not. So uh, let's see. So Paula, I know we already went kind of like the who, what, where, when, why with MLOs. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to people coming to you already, let's just say somebody came to you and they already have a pre-approval. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Is that okay with a different lender or anything like that? It is okay, um, but I always going to make sure to call that loan officer mm -hmm. um, and verify, hey, um, um, certain questions to make sure everything is okay. Mm -hmm. um, I want to know if you know is what they need because most of the time they need concessions like hey yes we can uh, we can close mm -hmm. but we need three percent towards not recurring closing costs mm -hmm. we need to buy down the interest rate so mm -hmm. i need to know the situation and that's where communication again is key mm -hmm. we always talk about communication but essentially this is the, the most important because if you don't have a great communication with the loan officer well, it's going to be really hard to mm -hmm. the whole transaction in mm -hmm. general. Yeah, it's I think it's OK if they come with one beforehand. You know, it's always good for you to still vet them afterwards because you want to make sure, like you said, they're going to communicate yeah. and that you feel comfortable with everything um, going forward. Um, the client already did their due diligence to do whatever they want to do. It's OK. Also, like, in my opinion, for you guys, I think some still recommend like, hey, still get a second opinion. Like, who? It doesn't really matter. I mean, it does actually, but if you're going to get a second opinion, make sure you understand like what you have now. Yes. And that's also, I, I do encourage it, you know, like a second opinion is also really good, especially mm -hmm. if they have doubts, you know, like, Hey, why I need to pay so much on taxes and why mm -hmm. I need to do this. Um, it doesn't hurt mm -hmm. because people think that, okay, if they're going to run my credits, like buying a car, mm -hmm. but it's not really how the credit is going to be impacted once that they run the credit. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it, you when you're purchasing home, so the credit thing we'll talk about a little bit in the future, but don't worry about running your credit. There's different ways and tactics that we can get around that way. You don't feel like you're murdering your credit score and it's plunging or anything, because like, that's not really what happens. Uh, but we can definitely make sure that a second opinion is okay, because maybe there's better options for you. Maybe the first loan officer was great. 
and then you talk to somebody else and then it reassures that that first loan officer was great or maybe the first loan officer wasn't so great and then you find out mm -hmm. that oh maybe i didn't pick the right one and and i do have um also different scenarios is when somebody is coming from different states mm -hmm. and they already got a pre-approval letter from a loan officer in chicago for him for, mm -hmm. for example mm -hmm. and then they come here and they want to use it and which is fine but my own experience um you know, my first transaction when I list a home, we were getting ready to, you know, to close. And I had a conversation previously with it, with that loan officer. He was mm -hmm. in a different state. Hey, you know, how strong are those buyers? You know how? And he told me, no, it's super strong. We're going to close. Yeah, the yeah. door is solid. You know, it's okay. So I felt comfortable because we have this previous conversation. Mm -hmm. So for our surprise, days before, you know, we're getting cl uh, close to the closing date the loan officer didn't respond no he just disappeared like he just disappeared my clients were in a different state mm -hmm. they were planning to buy a home so mm -hmm. they were selling this one here so they didn't know anything and they were waiting for the home here in vegas to close so they can pay their their homes there in different states yeah and at that time they were paying 300 dollars per day yeah, $300 per day because they weren't like, okay, what are we going to do now? It wasn't even my client. It was the buyer side, but I was representing my, you know, my agent, my seller. Mm -hmm. You know what? I, it was, I, be, I remember we were cl getting close to, uh, you know, the 24th of December. So many people stopped working there. It mm -hmm. was a nightmare. Yeah. So I finally got there, his boss. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I don't remember right now the state, but I talked to him. I say, we need to close this. My, I, I just give them all the information. Mm -hmm. Thanks God. He was so amazing. In one day, we got everything we need. Next day, we closed. Yeah. But it was, that's why it's so important to have a great communication because at the end of the day, you know, there is a lot of things in, you know, mm -hmm. in game. Yeah. I think. So, yeah. I think, um. That's, I don't know, like you said, with communication is always going to come up when it comes to these things, right? It's just one of the most important things for it. So, well, I would say he just appeared when the, everything was closed. He would say, hey, every, all the oh. team, congratulations. God, <laughs> That's when I hear from him. Is, oh, my God, I cannot believe it. Uh, yeah. The, <laughs> That's when he actually texts. Yeah, Can yeah. believe it? Yeah. <laughs> some, it, again, communication is key. Yes. Some, some of the just do that, though. No, They'll be end. there for a second. The transaction. Then they ghost you for the longest time. And then when it's done, they're all of a sudden come back. Yes. You know what I mean? It's, yes. <laughs> um, so we'll go on to the next topic because we still have some things to go through. Um, and the next one we're going to talk about is fixed rate versus adjustable rate mortgages. So in this segment, we're going to talk about, give you an understanding of the difference between the two and give you a quick pro and con. So we'll start off with the easy one, a fixed rate mortgage. Do you have? Yes. Yeah. Fixed rate, especially now um, with interest rate um, a little higher, of course, since um, 2020 is been increasing, right? Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people want to buy the rate. Mm -hmm. So there is two options, right? Mm -hmm. Fixed rate and adjustable rate. So we'll start with the fixed rate mortgage. So fixed rate mortgage is essentially just a mortgage rate that is actually fixed. It does not change throughout the life of the loan. So when you sign your contract and go through all that stuff, if your mortgage is yada, 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 that's going to be your mortgage for the life of that loan. So your principal and interest part of your payment will never change. And I say principal and interest because those are the only things that cannot change exactly. on there because that's your loan amount and your rate just being calculated. The things that can change, and we'll talk a lot more in depth in the future about, but that could be your homeowner's insurance could change depending on if it goes up or down. Your property taxes change annually, so that will definitely change. Um, if you have mortgage insurance premium, that'll probably stay the same throughout the loan. Um, but there are certain programs that either it stays on for the life of the loan or it falls off at a certain point. And the final one is your HOA, right? We talked mm -hmm. a little bit about HOAs before. HOAs are never the same and for some reason always go up. So always anticipate for things like that. But your principal and interest payment will always stay the same. Now, in my opinion, when it comes to... Fixed rate mortgages, these are probably going to be the ones we mostly recommend to a majority of the clients. And nine times out of 10, these are the ones that clients can take, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the other one is ARM loans or adjustable rate mortgages. Now, these have a back stigma from 
back in the day because of the subprime loan moment, but uh, adjustable rate mortgages do have some pros. So just to give you guys a quick definition on that way, that way we can move forward with it is an adjustable rate mortgage is a rate that can change over time. So it does have an initial fixed rate, right? Depending on the type of arm loan you have. So maybe for the first three, five or seven years, it might be a specific lower rate that we had agreed on. But after that, it periodically can change depending on the market. Mm -hmm. All right. So just to give you, so with an ARM loan, and the reason I say that it has a bad stimulus, because I think back in the day, the, the rate just kind of adjusted a lot without any um, Regulation. regulations. Uh, with ARM loans these days, they have an initial, they have a cap rate, meaning they can't go higher than a certain rate. Um, they have an initial cap rate, which means the first time that it does go up, it can only go up so much. And then every year after that, it also has a cap rate or a periodic cap that can only go up so much. But an arm loan doesn't always necessarily have to go up because if the market gets better, the rate can also stay the same or go down. All right. Um, and then there's a lifetime cap, meaning this, like I mentioned before, this is the max amount that it can ever go up. Um, so I'll give you a quick example as to why you would pick one versus the other. So for a fixed rate, we talked about like it's, that's that's the rate it's for the left of the month. It's never going to change, right? So for a fixed rate, I think those are great for people that are going to, like you said, I mentioned before, is stay in a home for a longer period of time, or rates are really good. And a prime example is that of that is when people bought homes when rates were at three percent or two percent. You wouldn't do an arm loan with one of those loans. That one you stay fixed because it's great. Yeah. yeah. Why would you why would you give that up? Right? Um and the other reason would be that maybe it's cheaper to do than an arm loan. Yeah. Right? Which in some cases, yeah. It really is. Um and then for arms, in my opinion, as much as they have bad sigma, they have a moment. I think our first loan was an arm loan. I don't remember how I remember this, but I remember it being an arm loan. Now, an arm loan is good for somebody that you mentioned before when they're going to move out before a certain period of time, right? Exactly. Because mm -hmm. they get to enjoy that lower rate possibly or cheaper rate for that period of time, mm -hmm. right? Um, another reason could be that maybe you think rates are going to go down soon and you're going to refinance, yeah. right? It's a little risk you take, right? But it's a little risk you take. Mm -hmm. So you're anticipating. Yeah. You're anticipating either moving out and selling your house or you're anticipating that rates are going to get better. Exactly. Right? Um, again, it's always going to be based on the market. And always talk to a professional loan officer about what your options are. But make sure you have a better understanding of it. Don't just jump into either loan and just say, okay, this is what they told me and that's it. Mm -hmm. You know? Education is key in... In, in the process, yes. Yeah. Do you have anything on either one? No. No? Yeah. I think this is more of the loan stuff, so I can understand yeah, you being mean, like, it, yeah. And to be honest, um, it's also a matter of like uh, inflation and all of that. That's yep. also a big thing with the yep. fix and adjust. Um, mm -hmm. Which one is better? Mm -hmm. um, it was a point that I remember, I think it was last year, where we see the arms were really good mm -hmm. on the interest rate. Mm -hmm. They were, but you want to make sure that yeah, because if you're in a good rate. Yeah, for a very short period, then it can get really. Yeah, uh, so if yeah. your rate's really low, fixed. Keep it at fixed. And if you feel like you're playing with the market or have different plans with the house, arm rates could be an option. But again, they're not always the cheapest option. And sometimes they're not really good anyway. Like in today's market, I wouldn't do an arm loan. Two reasons. One, we're anticipating rates to go down. Number two, um, it's more of a market thing, but the bonds are very close to what a 30-year rate mortgage is anyway, so it doesn't really make sense. It's definitely not for everybody. No, it's definitely not for everybody, and it's definitely not the time to do it, in my opinion, at least. All right, where were we with the last one? So the last one we're going to... Okay. So the last topic we're going to talk about, which I think you can really participate in, is the role of credit scores Okay. when it comes to purchasing a home, right? Um, so obviously, uh, good credit is great. Right. But what is good credit? Yep. It's the pen of what you want to achieve. Yeah, exactly. Or what type of loan you're going to get. So mm -hmm. for me, good credit, in my opinion, is 640 or higher. A lot of people think that, have you know, you need to have 700 
or 750 in order for them to qualify that is for a loan. Excellent credit. And if you're in the 800s, I, it doesn't even matter at this point. Once you get past a certain number. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because, everybody, no, I want to work for the 780. It's like, well, you know, that's not really the way it works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 780, that's amazing. And that's fantastic credit score to have. I think anything above 760 at that point, you're just, you're just doing it for the show at that point. You know what I mean? And, and, and commending you for having such great credit. But in my opinion, I think 640 is key. And the reason I think 640 is key is, and I think I'm going to take it or base it on things that are um, for local programs or even things in other states. That's usually the minimum credit score you need in order to get into some sort of like down payment assistance program, usually on average. There are some that are a little bit lower, but if you're, if you're going to base it on average, that's one of the key reasons for the 640. Um, but you don't need a great credit score to get into a house. And it might not even matter if you fix your credit because it does the pricing might not change much, right? Um, so with a great credit score, it'll probably be better for like investors because of pricing. It might be better for somebody who has a much better down payment because of pricing. But if you're just a standard person putting three and a half percent down for an FHA loan, to be honest with you, doesn't really matter. No, just get in there. You're probably going to save. One or two thousand dollars today, but if you're waiting longer, you're going to lose out on that one or two thousand dollars, depending on the market, anyway. So just make sure that you don't get too caught up. And talk to a loan officer. And talk to a loan <laughs> officer about it. So let's talk about what we review with your credit. So the debts, mm -hmm. right? That's a key one. Yeah. Right. Um, so the debts that we're going to review are your installment loans. That involves any kind of car loan. That involves any kind of personal loan. Um, it can even involve like student loans because that's an installment loan. Um, these are going to be really important because we're going to base, take those debts and run them or compare them to what you make and kind of calculate a debt to income ratio. Um, we're also going, it's, and it's also going to impact your purchasing power, mm -hmm. right? We always talk to our clients, like we always advise them not to get a car loan, right? Before, yes. right, before purchasing a home, because what? And not even them sometimes be the co-signer. The co-signer? They can, yeah, if you're a co-signer on something, that still counts against you. There are ways to kind of get around that after a whole year, but to be honest with you, like, it's a, it's a yeah, if you're purchasing a home today or you're purchasing, kind of purchase a home in the next three months and all of a sudden your daughter or your mom or your sister, or your cousin said, hey, can you co-sign for me? You're going to have some issues with it, you know? Especially if, especially if you're already pre-approved. Yeah, Correct. exactly. Exactly. Okay. So it's, it's really important that we kind of make sure that you don't open any new debts or have outstanding crazy amount. Crazy amount. Um, we just talked about credit score and how it, it can impact your options. Credit score does have, the number it does have some impact. Like I said, it does give you better options when it comes to down payment assistance, but you can, it also gives you more options to have better credit scores. Like instead of just going FHA, you can go like the conventional mm -hmm. route, Yeah. right? Um, what about medical debt? A lot of people ask about that. Medical debt's really, really important. Um, medical debt for sure with FHA doesn't matter. FHA says medical debt's there. We're not even going to consider it. We're not going to look at it. Unfortunately, we live in a world where medical debt became a big, big thing. And a lot of people are or do have medical debt. So yeah. what you really want to do is not really worry about it. You know, uh, don't, don't sit here and wait to say, hey, I want to pay off all my medical debt before I do anything. Don't worry about medical debt. And that's why, another reason why you need to talk to an agent because maybe you don't have to worry about certain things. Um, Charge-offs, I mean, they're going to impact your credit score, but that may be something we don't really care about, so don't worry about that. Um, that's why it's really important to talk to a lender. That way you can get to know, okay, if we do this, do I need to touch this? Do I need to work with that? If you don't, then we're going to tell you it. don't. Okay. We're going to tell you not to do it. Um, let me see. Payment history. We talked about that a little bit earlier. <sighs> That's a big one. It's a big one. <laughs> I think credit comes down to this. If you are 30, you could be late like 10 days on your, on your payments. That's perfectly fine. As long as you make your payment before the 30th day of being late. Once you hit 30 days late, 60 days late, 90, 120, you are... You're hacking at your credit score. You know what I mean? So at this point, you are definitely just making sure that it's getting worse and worse. Because I think 
payment history has a 35% impact or credit weighted on your on your credit score. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. So if you miss one payment, there's a possibility your credit score can drop anywhere between like 50 to 100 points within the first month on your first place payment. So take care of your credit based on that. Like if you have high debt ratios or high credit limits, that's a lot better than making a late payment. You know what I mean? You can always lower payment on a credit card or lower balance on a credit card, but you can't undo a late payment. Yeah. You know? Um, what other ones do we have? Could play a big role in your qualification too if you don't make payments sometimes. You know? Well, if you if the bank see that you're running a little bit late or stuff like that, why would they wanna yeah, lend you money? money yeah. yeah. You obviously have either you're having you're having financial issues right now. What's to say that you're gonna actually make your payments on time if you have that, right? Yeah, because the loan officer well not the loan officer, but the bank is in the business to lend you money, but to make money, no bad business. Mm -hmm. and, so, so. and to lend it to somebody who's credit worthy. Mm -hmm. Would you, let me put it this way. If you were to have a kid, if you had kids, teenagers, right? And they were known for always crashing their car, or getting into accidents. Would you lend them your car? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things. You have, to, you have to be logical about it. The last thing you want to do is have a high risk situation where it, this person might not make their payments you know exactly. um collections we talked about that in terms of medical collections but there are other kinds of collections there's regular collections like maybe cable bills tend to be one of the big ones that happen a lot jeans gyms tend to be another <laughs> one Jeez, just pay your jimbo guys <laughs> <laughs> then january everybody signed up yeah <laughs> and then in december they are with the collection <laughs> you 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 had a new year's resolution to be more fit this year unfortunately that didn't come happen and all of a sudden you just destroyed your credit over a jimbo it's it's ridiculous but um yeah just make sure you're making those payments on time um in terms of collections though I mean, I'm not a credit expert in terms of these things, but you can always try to work on those. All right. I advise my clients. All right. Let's, let's even, I, even if I know the collection agency isn't going to be that great or easy to work with, I always recommend like, okay, try to talk to them, try to get this thing erased. When you're, when you're doing collections and just a quick tip on there, don't pay it off unless the, aid, the lender told you to, because just paying off the collections and showing paid doesn't necessarily always help your credit the best thing you want to do or the best thing for your credit is trying to find a way for them to give you a deletion letter and getting it completely removed from your credit because then that'll have a bigger impact on your credit versus paying it off. At what point would you recommend a um, credit repair professional? If I am looking at my system and it's telling me it's going to take more than two years to fix your credit or even get anywhere, at that point, if I can't find a, a good combination of ways to kind of advise you on how to fix your credit, then your credit might need a lot more help. Um, I don't necessarily work with any credit repair agencies. Make sure you always do your due diligence and understanding them and educating yourself on them. Whoops. Educating yourself on who they are and how good they do. You know what I mean? Because sometimes they're just like a gym bill too. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> where they're just that not. Sounds good. <laughs> where, they're just, where they're just putting their thumbs and nothing's happening. You know what I mean? Test them out. If, they, if nothing's changed over the first two months, or something like that, then maybe they aren't really doing anything. And if they keep telling you, oh, we're working on this, we're working on that, not to talk down on them, but I mean, it's, they're still salespeople and they're still trying to keep you there. You know what I mean? Just So you need to look for changes, like positive yeah. changes. Yeah. Don't, don't just take their word for it. You know, it's, it's, the company wants to make money. So those people are there to keep you subscribed or with them, you know? So mm -hmm. some of them are good. I'm not saying all of them are bad. But just make sure that you are starting to notice changes and base it on how you feel about the whole situation. Okay. Um, and then the last one is bankruptcies and foreclosures. So um, foreclosures is the biggest one. I think uh, seeing a foreclosure on a, a mortgage is definitely going to affect your ability to get approved for a loan. And it's probably going to take a little bit longer if you had a foreclosure recently in order to get into a house, right? Um, obviously, we know that sometimes life happens and things were out of your control and things are a lot better now um but in terms of guidelines sometimes you have to still wait two to four years even after the foreclosure or short sale or whatever the case may and, be and very important um as an agent if you got the notice of default 
-hmm. contact an agent right now you know mm -hmm. don't wait for the you know try to make it up or, or fix your going through a law modification just just contact an agent um mm -hmm. me actually um i'm working with um, a partner that we are also covering that mm -hmm. you know helping people that they are in the situation of you know the full mm -hmm. um how to make the best out of the situation for them to don't get into a foreclosure yeah so another key thing is you want to make sure that you still look at your other options i know they made some changes recently where you can actually call your lender and find out if maybe you can do a short-term forbearance on it um that might be a benefit for you or something helpful that way you don't Default. Default. Also, yeah. Bank of America, they make it easy if there is like a short sale or something like that. They they make a whole a whole website, mm -hmm. so it, they make it easier for people to you know to get it done. Because before it was like back in the days, it was mm -hmm. really difficult. Yeah. But they make it right now. Like if you know you're in that situation, just contact the bank. Mm -hmm. Most of the bank they make it easier. Yeah. It's just you know? it has you have to prove financial hardship. Just make sure that yeah. you guys have everything in line. That way, you guys can show this. Mm -hmm. Um. And then what else? I think we talked about oh bankruptcies. Bankruptcies are a big thing. I know there are different kinds of bankruptcies, chapter seven, chapter eleven, chapter thirteen. Um, again, for me, I'm not a lawyer, I don't deal with a lot of these things, but I know that those impact your ability to purchase a home differ slightly differently depending on each one. Um, so make sure when you are doing those that A, you have all your documents for the bankruptcies. Um, make sure you have your initial paperwork, your discharge paperwork, everything. You know, sometimes, you know, again, life happens and you have to do what you have to do. It doesn't disqualify you from being able to purchase a home. It just means you may have to wait mm -hmm. a little bit longer, you know, that way you can get yourself reestablished, get your credit to where it needs to be, and then move forward. And I understand it. depending on the programs, the weight is different. Depending on the program, it definitely is different. Some might be a little bit shorter than others. Um... I'm not saying that you can't get into a house right after a uh, foreclosure or bankruptcy because there are alternative options outside of conventional and FHA to get into it. But those are going to cost you a little bit more to get into. But I will say that do not feel discouraged because those things happen and you went through a hard time. But just make sure that you have all your stuff aligned. And if you're ready to purchase a home again, making sure that it's been two to four years at the very least, depending on the program we're going to go through. Um, and, you know, that's essentially it on those, I think. I think we touched a lot of I think here. we <laughs> definitely touched on a lot of topics today and trying to educate you on everything. Um, but just to recap everything, you know what a mortgage loan officer is. We know what a mortgage loan is. Um, we talked about how you as a real estate agent have an impact or role uh, in playing in the process. Um, we talked about a little bit on fixed rate versus adjustable rate mortgages um, and the benefits and the cons to some of those. And the final one we talked about your the role of a credit score and the credit in terms of getting into a home and again this might sound a little overwhelming um don't worry about it that's why we are here mm -hmm. we are a team and we're gonna guide you through the whole process yep so you guys heard her we are a team you <laughs> get out here and choose us because we're gonna make sure you get into the home you want to get into all right guys that's all we have for you guys today i hope you guys enjoyed it and i hope that this was very educational paula thank you for joining me today Thank you so much for the invitation. No, thank you again for coming over. But so if you guys enjoyed the content, please go ahead and hit that like button, subscribe. And if you know anybody who needs to hear this information, please share it with them and also leave a review or comment below. And I hope you guys have a wonderful day. And we'll see you guys on the next podcast of Mortgage Fundamentals.